Welcome to the Shock Your Potential podcast with your host, Michael Sherlock. We all have potential, but sometimes we need inspiration to get us to our peak performance. Whether you are starting out in your career, ready to move up the corporate ladder, or taking the leap into entrepreneurship, Michael's guests provide powerful tools and resources to shock your potential. Shock Your Potential is a global professional development training company committed to your unique journey. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com and download our free Shock Your Potential app today. Listen in to today's expert. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Shock Your Potential. I am your host, Michael Sherlock. And all month long, you know, we have been talking about something that is near and dear to my heart, and that is leading with love, love ourselves, love our business, love our clients, love our mission. And to do that, we have to be very cognizant of leading in our actions with love. And my guest today is going to help us look at this from several different perspectives. So Barb Garrison is a career and money breakthrough coach and job you love expert at internal group, the company she founded 14 years ago. Now, I wish I would have found her a long, long time ago, because let me tell you what she specializes in. She helps burned out success-driven professionals who are just going through the motions. She helps them to design a career based on their truth. You know, that thing that makes you jump out of bed every morning and say, I'm ready. I can't wait to tackle this. She's the creator of the Job I Love Revolution, and she supports corporate executives and entrepreneurs to move from self-doubt, boom, and burned out, boom, to relief and freedom. And after 18 years of marketing and surviving corporate burnout herself, so we'll have good conversations about that, she combines her experiences as a mentor, a marketer, corporate director, consultant, and two-time entrepreneur with her passion for self-discovery. And just like me, she is very big on psychology. In fact, she has degrees in psychology and communications, plus three professional coaching certifications. So joining me today is Barb Garrison. Thank you so much for joining me, Barb. Oh, thanks, Michael. I so appreciate it. You you might win the prize for the best the best bio summary I've heard. <laughs> I love your extra exclamations that go in there. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Because I especially when I you know read yours when I read yours uh, before even prepping for the interview, you know I thought this is there were I know that there were three times in my career that I burned out three specific times, and you'd think you'd learn from the first one, right? No, you don't. Um, but I wish there would have been a coach at that time. Coaches weren't a thing, you know, when I had my first, you know, burnout, that wasn't a part of our kind of corp, our, our culture. And today I'm so thankful that it is because we know that it's okay to reach out to somebody. So I hit a little of your bio, but I know your story always comes better from you. So tell us a little bit about you, your business this time around, Miss uh, two-time entrepreneur, and a little bit about how you help your clients to shock their potential. Yes, of course. And you you actually have a similar story as me, which is that when I desperately needed a coach like myself, which was about 15 and a half years ago, it didn't really exist, not in the way that it does today. And so I kind of figured it out piecemeal on my own. Um, when I was working a job that I would call, you know, high profile. It was in Los Angeles. It was a large company. I had incredible perks. I got to walk on red carpets. I had a mm. team. I got to do a lot of different things that were my strengths, but I was working six and seven days a week, um, really like 12 to 16 hours a day. And, you know, I started noticing that I was 
really yeah, the way I say it is like my soul was sort of leaking out of me bit by bit mm, and yeah. there was nothing wrong with the job it just was starting to not fit for me anymore I really noticed I was moving into kind of another chapter of my life I had just gotten married later in life after I'd had a, this very successful career that I'd worked really my whole adult life to get to and it was sort of like I got to that echelon I was proud to be there. I had a great salary, great perks, great business card, lovely title, all the things I thought I wanted while I was looking around going, really? I don't know if this is it. And do I care enough about this? Does this really light me up? And what I didn't know at the time were how many patterns and habits that I had myself that were actually contributing to my lack of satisfaction. Um, mm -hmm. And it, it, I didn't really use the word burnout at first, but what I noticed was I started having more and more symptoms of stress, physical symptoms of stress. And, um, you know, it just getting stranger and stranger. And then the culmination was when um, during the busiest season of the company, I actually lost my voice. Well, duh, what a metaphor, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I lost my voice. And, you know, I was diagnosed with bronchitis. And I kept taking antibiotics and I was on two or three rounds of them and it wasn't getting better. Mm -hmm. And so it was just so interesting. Like I couldn't find my voice. So, um, you know, that was a physical thing and it didn't start to occur to me later until the fact I, I was starting to think, well, am I really speaking my truth? Am I really saying what's right for me? Is it really what I need to be doing? Um, and so I started to explore this idea of truth. Um, I did ultimately give my notice and I, I didn't know what I was going to do instead. A lot of people thought I was crazy for giving up a position I'd worked my whole life to get to that it seemed like the kind of work there would be a line out the door of people trying to get to this job. And there, there was. And so people couldn't get their head wrapped around the fact that I didn't have another place I was going to go. You know, I had planned for it. I, I call it a freedom fund. I saved a piece of my paycheck. I recommend everybody does this, mm -hmm. even if it's yes. only $5 a month, have it automatically transferred it. into your freedom fund. You never yeah. know what you might want to use it for. Luckily, I had done that. And um, I, I told people I was going to be a bartender in Puerto Vallarta, and I was going to build a little <laughs> hut, only I was going to be as the bartender facing the ocean while the customers faced the street. <laughs> You and I are so much alike. We could have been side by side right there, slinging drinks. And I have to say, I never became that bartender. However, what I realized is there was a lot of aspects of that freedom and that creativity that I was hungry for. And that's what I ultimately explored. So I left my job. I sat under a tree. Well, I went from the couch to the bed to the tree to really get my, my wellness back because I really did have bronchitis that wasn't going yeah. away. So I did that for a few months and really explored, like if I knew for sure I couldn't fail, what would I do instead? And really where were my strengths? And so I discovered a lot of things about myself that I hadn't been as honest about as I was now ready to be. Mm. And so um, anyways, that's, that's how it all began. That's where Internal Groove was born. I love it. Um, as you were talking, gosh, I was taking so many notes and I was thinking about so many correlations, but literally the losing of your voice, you know, how symbolic is that? But the fact that your body would not recover was such a message to you. 
thank goodness you finally recognized it. And that was, that was the first time that I finally had to recognize my first burnout was when I was having chest pain so bad that my doctor thought I was having a heart attack because my whole left arm went numb. And mm. he said, you need to get to the ER. And I'm like, oh, I've had these chest pains before. You know, we've talked. He's like, no, go d- quit calling me, go to the ER. So what I do, I drove myself to the ER, but <laughs> you know, <laughs> You, you learn as you go along that your body will tell you when you are not on the right path. But the question is, are we listening? Yes, definitely. And it was interesting because after I went back to the doctor for like the fourth time, it was actually in her office that I had the light bulb because my my bronchitis wasn't fully going away. And and she said, I really want you to go home and I want you to go to sleep and I, and I, I want you to rest because I was still working really hard. It was the busiest season of the year. And I said, I can't do that. She said, well, you're going to have to. And I said, well, then I'm going to just quit. And it just sort of like came out of my mouth. I I wasn't, it's like I heard it in my ears before I realized what I said. And she said, you can't do that. I said, well, why not? And all of a sudden I started defending this idea that in the moment I had just blurted out. So uh, she did me a huge favor. Now I didn't quit quit right away, but it was, it was probably, uh, you know, a month later when yeah. I actually did get my voice back. I actually waited until I felt physically better to make sure that it really was the right choice for me. And I wasn't making it purely from an emotional place. Yeah, that's really good. And, you know, so, you know, when you work with people today and you help them, you know, find that, find your voice or find what, you know, really drives you when people come to you, you know, what, what kind of state are they in? Do they know they need that help? Do they think they do, but they're a little in denial? Uh, you know, are they begging for it? What's, or all of the above? Well, a little bit of all of the above, but the most common that I see is many people have their hair on fire. That's what I usually say in some form or another, either emotionally, physically, mentally, you know, they're in tears. I've had people call me who I didn't even know who literally are like, hi, my name is so-and-so and I'm going to go into my boss right now and quit my job. And so the first thing I say is, hold on, take off your shoes. Whoa. Just take off your shoes, take off your shoes and take a breath, sit down. Let's have a conversation. So um, yeah, most people are in a fair amount of pain. You know, we as human beings, especially if we're high achievers, you know, and I was like this in the sense that I was very tenacious, like I can figure this out. Mm. And so we tend to wait until we're in enough pain that we're actually willing to reach out for help. And so Mm -hmm. I do get a lot of people who call me, you know, first five minutes, they're in tears, um, spilling, spilling it all out to me. And that's okay. You know, I welcome that. I will tell you, I am now the coach that I desperately needed 15 years ago that didn't really exist. And when people find out that, you know, I've walked their path and reinvented myself and got to the other side of the street, and I've never been happier, never felt more fulfilled. I've never had a job for 15 years, that's for sure, and never one that I've been this happy at. So that tends to play a big role in the clients that we resonate with each other. Um, I tend to attract a lot of people who are in what I would call high burnout industries, which tend to be the ones that, you know, when you're getting out of college, you think are the ones that sound fun, like the really glamorous ones, uh, the ones that seem great and so many great perks and, oh, it's going to be so much fun. Um, You know, that's fine when you're 22. 
um, and you have a ton of energy, but you know, 10 years <laughs> later, sometimes, or 20 years later, you wake up and you're like, oh my God, what was I thinking? Um, yeah. When you're that young and your metabolism still works. Exactly. And you can get five hours of sleep. <laughs> exactly. And you, can, you can stop and get a donut on the way to work every exactly. day. Exactly. Oh, For yeah. me, it was bagels and on the way to work on the seat every day. Yep. That's exactly right. So I would, funny. I would stop at the 7-Eleven and buy these peanut butter bars at breakfast time. They were like this like a cookie thing. Like, uh-huh. I thought it had peanut butter in it. That made it, <laughs> that made it healthy, right? That was the healthy no. part, right? <laughs> that, that, that quit at like 28. Cause I realized that wasn't going to be a good sustainable. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I love it that you tell people, wait, take off your shoes. And I assume I know the reason behind this, but tell me a little bit about why you say take off your shoes, sit down and breathe. The first thing is that I don't ever recommend people make a decision in an emotional state. You know, yeah. we, we don't have the full capacity of our brain. And I think it's, it's easy to, to, to quickly jump into a thought and say, okay, this is just going to get me out of pain. And the truth is that we're going to be much more likely to get out of pain if we are more uh, deliberate in our choices and taking the time to really explore what's truly right for us. Mm-hmm. And well, and I was thinking too, the very fact of, you know, take your shoes off means, all right, uh, it's very unlikely you're going to run into your boss's office right now without your shoes on. Well, there's so, that too. And that that's yeah. actually the first way I meant it. <laughs> yeah. first, you have to put them back on, which means you have to think about it at least for a exactly. second. Exactly. <laughs> that's exactly the point. And I, you know, I think that a lot of people don't realize that their pain isn't just things that are external to them. Like it's not just their boss. It's not just, they need a new job. It's not just, they don't like their industry. Yes. There's a lot of internal stuff that goes on that, you know, I call the inner work or the how, like how I bring myself to what I do that people are not aware of. They, they think if they just get a new job, it's going to get all better. Oh, and yeah. that is to me, you know, anecdotally, this isn't scientific, but anecdotally, I would say my work with clients and my own life over the last 14 years, that's probably only about 20% of it. I think the other 80% is really how we bring ourselves to what we do that is impacting us the most. Yeah. I call it looking in the mirror. So I always say, you know, you might not have a mirror with you, but pretend your hand is the mirror. And sometimes you have to look at it as I agree. And one of the things that you said that really struck me too, is, you know, when you realized how many patterns and habits that you had that were, that were really, you know, contributing to your sense of dissatisfaction or your, you know, your overwhelm. And it makes me think of, you know, times when, I mean, I I can think of my earliest, you know, career, career out of college job where I was so busy all the time. And I think I loved being busy. You know, people are like, so what are you doing? I'm so busy. You know, Mm -hmm. like I, I, I wrapped my persona around this busy person because somehow I thought that meant I was important. And all I was doing was creating bad habits that I continued to be busy and, you know, that deer in the headlights look and all that does is perpetuate the heart racing and the sense of adrenaline. And until I said, what the heck, you know, what this is doing is leading to, uh, you know, problems with uh, what I had is, uh, is an inflamed chest cavity wall. So I had so much stress building up that it was my body was physically like your voice you know, moving against me, but it was because I kept this sense of tension all the time until I started to peel back those onion layers and say, okay, it's not the job. It's not the boss. It's not the coworker. It's not the commute. It's not your (laughs) ex-husband. It's you. 
Mm-hmm. All right. Sometimes it's the ex-husband too, but <laughs> <laughs> you are absolutely right, Michael. Bingo. That's it. And, you know, in addition to all of that, there's also reinforcement from a societal level that this is like what a go-getter looks like. And yes. this is how they behave. And it's like, we get affirmations, we get, we get accolades, we get reinforcement from those around us, you know, wow, she's really making things happen. She's, she's a mover and a shaker. And yeah, you know, what I often will say to my clients is adrenaline is a drug and it's addictive. Yeah. And it is a drug we have to get off of as much as any, you know, synthetic chemical drug that we may need to go to rehab for. It is literally a drug. And, you know, People are so used to that rush that they use it to motivate themselves. And so often when you remove that drug, then they're not sure who they are without it. Right. Yeah. You build your whole persona on it. And, you know, I I think you're absolutely right. When you break it down and you start to get out of that, people also aren't sure who you are anymore. So it's hard to try and figure out how to... describe yourself in a new way and kind of present yourself in a new way. And I think sometimes we get lost saying, well, you know, what if they don't like this new me or what if they think I'm lazy because I'm not running on all that adrenaline all the time, or I'm not going, you know, a hundred hours a a week. And that can be as, as uh, counterproductive to change as, as the fear of letting go of the adrenaline. Absolutely. I actually work with my clients on the loss that's associated with it, because most people don't acknowledge that there actually is a loss. It doesn't mean you want to go back to it, but acknowledging the loss and then looking for ways to transform that loss into a gain. But if you don't acknowledge it, there there is actually even, I would say, a little bit of grief sometimes associated with it because it can be tied to your identity. And it it was for me at that time, for sure. Yeah, I agree. Okay. So this is fantastic. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to hear from our sponsor and we will be right back. Are you tired of the time and expense of going to the salon for a mani-pedi? If so, Color Street is your answer. Base, color, and top coats are blended together in an incredible polish strip that you apply yourself. The result? A brilliant salon quality manicure in just minutes with no dry time, smudges, or streaks. These strips are 100% real nail polish, not stickers. They're flexible, can be gently stretched for a perfect fit, and last up to 10 days. I've been using them for months now and love the amazing selection of colors and styles, along with the ability to create my own unique manicure by mixing and matching. Shop today and support our sponsor, Betsy Roberts, by ordering at colorstreet.com backslash B-H Roberts backslash party backslash 2095611. Again, that's colorstreet.com backslash B-H Roberts backslash party backslash 2095611. Or simply click the link in our show notes. And we are back with Barb Garrison and we are talking about how to help people, you know, kind of move out of that chaos and into really, you know, jobs, positions, careers, uh, entrepreneurial journeys that they love. And Barb, I know that our theme for the month is lead with love. And, and I can't wait to hear your thoughts on this because 
my theory, this is kind of my little belief is that the more we operate out of love, love for our client, our mission, our product, our service, and love for ourselves, that we will have better results all the way around. But I think sometimes people are a little intimidated by the word love and, and maybe, maybe not intimidated, maybe just uncertain about what that means. So all month long, I've asked my guests, you know, what are your thoughts? What are what, how would you approach the concept of leading with love? in in what you do with your clients every day. Well, I love this theme, Michael. When I heard this is what we were going to be talking about today, I was so excited, your theme for the month. I Something I've said for a very long time is um, the way that I interact with my clients, I call it fierce client love. And what I mean by that is believing in them so wholeheartedly that there's this fierceness for who they are, even when they forget themselves. So I have this sense, this is kind of a funny visual, but almost like there's this highest potential to talk about shock your potential, right? This highest potential that sort of sits on their shoulder. It's like the highest version of them, the highest possible them that they don't tap into on a regular basis. And when I coach my clients, I try to interact with that part of them. Even when on the outside, maybe they're in pain, they're frustrated, they're scared, they are not sure, they're confused, they're emotional, or all of the above. I still speak to that highest version of themselves. And so I call that fierce client love. And, you know, I don't really, I don't advertise that generally. I don't talk <laughs> about it generally. I don't tell them that because, yeah, some people aren't that comfortable with it. But to me, that's how I show up as a coach. Because if you have a client that you are not, um, able to experience that with, they're probably not the right fit for you. And there's a better coach for them somewhere else, or mm -hmm. a better resource or some kind of better tool. Because, you know, I, I feel like one of the things I have x-ray vision about is when I meet someone and they come to me and their hair is on fire, and they're upset and confused, I have this really strong sense of who they are underneath all that dust bunnies, you know, all the dust bunnies mm -hmm. that are floating around on top of them, like the truth of who they are. So I really work with people's truth because for the most part, we don't own that truth. And so speaking of love, to me, the source of the greatest self-love or fierce self-love um, is really our truth, like really acknowledging what is true about us. Like, is that adrenaline dance that we do really our truth is that who we are? Is what we're doing really our truth in terms of what we believe in the most? You know, are we behaving in a way that the company says we're supposed to, or are we really listening to who we truly are? Yeah. And as you talked about speaking to that part of them, that part that really is all that they can be, it reminds me very much about, you know, when you raise a child, if you're telling them, don't do this, don't do that, you're, you're raising them with a set of, you know, ideals of what they're doing wrong. But if you say, oh, look at what you've done, how beautiful. Oh, look at what you created, how wonderful. You know, then we, we spark that, we nurture that part. And don't get me wrong, I, I've made plenty of screw-ups with my son, but uh, I'm a lot better grandmother than I was a mother. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I think as adults, we're when we're so tied up in the persona that we present and that we believe in ourselves, it takes, it must be really hard to hear somebody talk to you at the greatness you can achieve, but what a, if you can get through to that part of them, what a great gift 
to show somebody, hey, I already see you there. I already see you at this level. This is how this is how I'm going to interact with you. That is who you are. That could really boost somebody out of the hair on fire to say, whoa, wait, hold on. Wait, I don't have to be this crazy. Maybe, maybe there's another way to operate. Absolutely. And it's funny that you mentioned being a mom to your son is, you know, it does come up while I'm not a therapist, it does come up that some of the patterns that people learn have to do with, you know, the, the way it was modeled for them to believe in themselves when they were young. So we do touch on that a little bit just to get a sense of kind of the, the environment that they were raised in, um, mm -hmm. because they see themselves as if that's truth. What a lot of people say to me is, oh, that's just my personality, or that's just how I'm wired. And what I often will say, that's not your personality. That's what you believe. But yes. that's not actually your personality. And often by the time I say that, I know them well enough that I can point out evidence that I've personally witnessed that kind of poke holes in that story. Yeah. Well, and it is important to know that you can change that, that personality or you can change how you present. And I, I, as you were talking, I was thinking about, um, a lot of my life, my husband called it saving puppies. He always told me I saved puppies, you know, because, uh, you know, my mom would always make me go play with the kids that she would say, Hey, that little girl doesn't have any friends. Go play with her. Those kids don't have any friends. Go play with them. I always said, mom, there's a reason they don't have any friends, but I would go play with them. Sometimes <laughs> it worked out well. <laughs> Sometimes it didn't, right? <laughs> but it, it set up this mindset in me that I had to help everybody, that I had to always give so much of myself. Now, I'm not blaming my mother, who's probably listening, going, that's not what I said, <laughs> which she knows it's exactly what she said. But um, at somewhere along the way, I learned that giving myself away you know, to people emotionally all the time did not help me maintain any energy. But I didn't have to disregard people or give too much. There was a new path I could pick. But it wasn't until my husband kept saying, are you saving a puppy? And I go, no, no, but they need this, this, this. And then finally, I'm like, yes, I'm saving a puppy. <laughs> I love that you guys have that expression. What a great husband. He like holds you accountable, but in no, such a sweet, cute sweet way that you can laugh about it laugh and about it. lovingly <laughs> laugh at yourself. Exactly. And that was really what defined me. And so I'm not perfect at it. But it allows me to find those times when I have to say, okay, do I really want to say yes to this person who maybe wants to collaborate? And I, it's not in, in my best interest at the moment, you know, and that's probably the biggest example I've seen over the last two years is that ability to sometimes say, you know, I'll tell you what, let's get in touch a little bit later, which is my nice way of saying, no, I don't think it's going to work right now. Or, you know, really it doesn't, it's not, it's not in line with my needs. And I never... Prior to 10 years ago, I never had those kind of words to use or thoughts in my head to give myself those boundaries when I needed it. And it sounds like you help people to identify their boundaries and figure out how to uphold them so that they find that, you know, they can take the hair out of the fire, but they can also figure out, okay, now that I'm no longer on fire, what's the next step I take? Absolutely. I work a lot with boundaries with people and not just identifying what boundaries they need to truly love themselves and care for themselves. Um, and, and let me just say also, that's not about ego. 
we can only give from a full cup. So if we are not setting boundaries in our own life to care for ourselves, we actually can give to others less. We, we have less to give to our clients, to our colleagues, to um, our family, our mates, all of that. And so that's a really critical piece. I do help people with this and in particular, the language. People really struggle with the language on how do you do that in a way that's, I call it with grace and style. You know, how do you do it without burning a bridge? How do you do it without getting mad? How do you do it without sounding like you're shutting the door on someone's face? And right. how do you do it by honoring another person, which is what I teach people to do? You know, we can really honor an invitation that we've received and that person and still say, no, this isn't right for me right now in a way that feels easier to deliver. Yeah. And I think it's interesting because right now, as we have, you know, realized that as a world that many, many people will be working remotely from this point on, you know, I think that we can, yes, more businesses will go back into the offices. There will, will have some more return to some sort of what we knew as normal, but we've already proven that many people can work alone uh, or work from home. And mm -hmm. what I see in that with people I interact with is a different kind of boundary issue. So as people, you know, don't know how to say, oh, I can't take that call at six o'clock. That's my family dinner. And, you know, and then they feel guilty. Well, why shouldn't I take it? It's not like I'm, I would have been commuting during that time. And I, I hear people with all these different dialogues going on in their heads. And I see, um, I see boundaries, uh, you know, kind of being pushed, uh, you know, and some from their work environments, some from themselves, some because they're just working way too much. I have some of my team, I'm like, why are you texting me at this time? <laughs> Go to bed. I know what time it is where you live. <laughs> my whole team's <laughs> in Kenya. I'm like, I know it's like midnight. Why are you, why are you responding to my email? But it helping people, helping us to understand that in the world as it changes, that the way we react to stress and boundaries is probably going to continue to change. You're absolutely right. In fact, I have been dealing with this particular topic with a lot of clients in the last, you know, nine months. It was like the first three months of the pandemic, people were just sort of winging it and figuring it out. But after it started going longer and longer, people had to really figure out some work habits that were working and what wasn't working. So mm -hmm. I'm a big proponent of office hours, even when you're at home working in your pajamas or your yoga pants. Um, you know, I think that honoring office hours is a boundary for ourselves that helps us be in a place of that self-love, you know, it's self-kindness and, you know, doing the same with our team and not expecting people to instantaneously respond to you just because you know, they're, you know, so-called working at home. Right. Absolutely. In fact, I, a couple of new things that I've started this year are different ways of how I set up my days. And one is, on Fridays at three o'clock my time, I don't take any other calls. I have nothing else on the agenda. And that is my time to get my email inbox or my inbox down to zero. Cause that's mm. my goal. Every Friday night at five o'clock, when I shut down, there's zero emails in there. I'm not always perfect, but I'm really pretty good at it now that I've scheduled this time, because to me, something in the inbox still is something that I haven't done yet. And I don't like to shut down for the weekend, even though I shut down and two minutes later, there's five more emails. doesn't matter. It's that <laughs> sense of I, I'm not leaving things hanging and I'm not stressed and worried about them. I still may get up and work on Saturday morning or Sunday morning. I typically work for a couple hours over the weekend too, but that sense, that's something I would have never done before. And boy, if I could go back in my career and do that and say, 
all right, Friday afternoons for the last two hours when you're not productive anyway, <laughs> do the stuff that clears all the garbage out so you can feel like your brain can start to shut down as you shut down your computer. Well, I'll tell you what I do. I actually have something I call Freedom Friday. Um, so there are very few exceptions that I actually work on Fridays at all. And I've discovered this because the work that I do um, is pretty intense. And I work with clients, you know, all day long. I'm on the phone eight, nine hours a day, Monday through Thursday. And what I've learned is if I also work on Friday, they're not, those clients are not getting the best of me. So Freedom Friday is I protect the freedom of that Friday to make yeah. the choices of what I want to do. And other than an occasional podcast interview, <laughs> like we're having today, I do not work at all on Fridays. Um, it's when I do things to take care of myself. I may get my hair cut. I may go to a doctor's appointment before the pandemic. It's when I would have social lunches, when I do mm -hmm. errands, when I go and pick things up. And it's the freedom to be uh, you know, out and about, and I might go on a hike, you know, and I decide in that given week, what freedom looks like for me that week. And I find that even asking myself that question every week, you know, sometimes it's the freedom to give myself permission to take a nap and stay, yeah. you know, relaxed, napping and reading say all day. And, yes. you know, it's a little different feeling during the pandemic when we're all home a lot more. But, you know, that even that used to be like a real a real gift. And so I, I really find that even the idea of, of Freedom Friday is very healing and very self-loving and gentle. Yes, I love that. That's amazing. And I, I feel the same way. I actually I'm known to nap. Um, although I do it with my uh, headphones on and I listen to a uh, guided meditation. So, but then I get a good little snooze in there. There might be some purring going on and don't call it snoring. Uh, <laughs> purring, yes. <laughs> that's another thing my husband said. I'm like, was I snoring? He goes, no, you were purring. So <laughs> he's a good husband. <laughs> he's a very good husband. Took a while to find him. <laughs> oh my gosh, Barb, we could talk all day. Now I know we're going to have all your information on our show notes, but just in case somebody wants to find you right now, what's the best way for them to look you up? Uh, they can go to my website, internalgroove, G-R-O-O-V-E.com. The other thing I will mention is I do have a gift for all your listeners. If they go to Monday Morning Leap, leap.com. Um, okay. There is a gift there for them where each Monday they will receive a little tidbit of a recording or a video or an article that will give them a tip or a strategy that they can implement that week that will help them with more of the things we've been talking about today. I love it. Mondaymorningleap.com. Yes. It? Yes. Excellent. We'll put that in there as well. So before we go, do you have any last words of wisdom or pearls of advice for my listeners and viewers? Well, you know, the idea of really loving ourselves, I think is about valuing ourselves. So I want people to really listen to the idea of how is it that they value who they are, not just their gifts and talents, although that's a part of it, but you know, who are they when they're just sitting there? Who are they as a human being? Who are they in their heart? What do they believe in? Um, we cannot really even underestimate our value because it impacts our work. It impacts how we ask for raises. It impacts how we price our services and it impacts our relationships. So that's a really important piece not to forget. I love it. Barb, you are filled with lots of wisdom and obviously um, I think that you definitely have become the person that you needed earlier in your career, which means that you are treating the people that you work with 
definitely helping them to lead with love. Thank you so much for being a guest today. Uh, thank you, Michael. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Shock Your Potential podcast. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com, including details on Michael's two best-selling books. Tell me more, how to ask the right questions and get the most out of your employees, and sales mixology, why the most potent sales and customer experiences follow a recipe for success. Make sure to check out our Shock Your Potential app, on-demand professional training resources to help you excel in your career. And as always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and like us today.